Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating their 20th year in radio broadcasting. With news not heard in the news, the International Taz and Paula Show interviews experts from all walks of life, bridging research and personal life journeys, revealing new ways to unleash life with a passion of a heartbeat. And now, here's Taz and Paula. Here's to an outstanding day to you and yours, wherever you or they may be. Today our guest is Dana Makuchi, who is poised with capturing the love for mankind along with the exuberance to live life to the fullest in every expression she delivers. Dana Makuchi is an award-winning author, journalist, and speaker, along with a private healing practice and continues to write about culture, travel, and spirituality. Paula, Dana's journey seems to be seamless as if she glides effortlessly, whatever she does. We'll be talking more about that, I'm, I'm sure. You are listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Well, Taz, it's quite obvious that Dana has literally merged the ancient wisdom teachings into her writing, which makes her books so page after page. You just want more and more. <laughs> And and Dana Micucci, her newest novel, The Third Muse, is a metaphysical mystery set in the international art world. And prior to this, she wrote the memoir of Sojourns of the Soul, One Woman's Journey Around the World and Into Her Truth, which was a gold medal winner in the 2013 Nautilus Book Awards. Both her books have served as a platform for television interviews, radio, and print media, inspirational talks, and her workshops nationwide. Well, welcome to our show, Dana. We just, we're we going to have so much fun today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here at Taz and Paula. Well, thank you for uh, that lovely question. introduction. <laughs> uh, this question's been in the back of my mind since uh, I've been uh, exploring what you do. This, the novel, The Third Muse, was that in the back of your head for while you were writing your other book, writing oh, the novel? You know, yes, yes, Paula. That actually was a very, very long labor of love. Believe it or not, I started the foundation of that story when I was a young writer in my late 20s, living on the left bank of Paris in a garret, <laughs> oh. trying to recapture that bohemian life of the writer, you know, that we've... Um, some of us writers have dreamed about. So, yes, it was in my life for a long time, went through many, many revisions, and uh, as I grew internally, uh, the book changed, and I really did. And I would, you know, bring it out and work on it and put it put it back in the drawer and then bring it back out again. In the meantime, I wrote a number of other books, including Sojourns, but this was always something that um, was so near and dear to my heart, and it is my first novel. As a journalist, I was writing uh, nonfiction, as you know. So it's almost, um, I don't know, it's a somewhat of a miracle that after over 20 years, I finally got it out there. Mm-hmm. 
That's How was the title of the book you. birthed? What? How was the title of the of the book birthed? Birthed. Third- okay. Um, well, you know, early, early on, as a, a young uh, professional in New York City, I worked at um, Christie's Auction House, and I only just for a few years. And I had started freelancing then. That was this was a long time ago. I was in my late twenties. I was also freelancing for magazines and newspapers, and then really just branched out on my own to become an independent journalist. But in, at Christie's, the International Auction House in New York City, I was exposed to so many masterpieces, as you can imagine, of art from around the world. And that's um, such a great question. I remember seeing, and I had seen before, an image of Brancusi's sculpture, The Sleeping Muse. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's a gorgeous, just sublime uh, sculpture of a woman's head, very abstract, almost a primordial egg-like shape. And it held so much power for me. I was, as a journalist, I was writing a, a lot about art and culture and then uh, travel and spirituality, as you mentioned, eventually. So I was thinking about the word The Muse. And I just came up with this title, The Third Muse, and I came up with my, because the muses, as you know, were um, were beings, inspirational beings in ancient Greek mythology who inspired writers. Now, I believe there are nine of them, but I came up with, well, they inspired artists of all types, not just writers. And um, I came up with three of my own. And... Um, those three, without giving away too much in the book, I think I can say that, my three muses are beauty, <laughs> truth, and love. And love is the third muse of this novel. Wow. So, so as you so, learned spiritually, as you learned more spiritually as you traveled, was yes. that that when you went back in and, and uh, created changes and your book evolved as you learned? Yes, exactly. That That's a, a great insight that's exactly what happened because we you know as we continue to pursue our own inner journey and we become more and more committed and devoted to that of course we can't help but change and expand right very quickly so that happened after i wrote sojourns and sojourns actually covers a 14-year span of my life and i have been traveling as um as a freelance journalist around the world, um, to sacred sites that I would choose and then find a topic that I wanted to write about. So those articles I really knew in the back of my mind were simply a catalyst for my own ongoing inner illumination. And then uh, after that, I sat down, after the um, Sojourns of the Soul came out in 2011, I said, okay, this is, this is now the time to really, really, completely rewrite the third muse to reflect where I am now. And I did that, I guess, and probably 2012 and early 2013. Rewrote the whole book, exactly that. I think, Paula, you were the one who asked the question, to reflect my um, where I had come to on my spiritual path. And it actually was inspired by a very transformative journey that I took to the south of France to the sites where Mary Magdalene supposedly lived and visited and taught and preached and healed after her um after she fled the holy land 
after the crucifixion. Now, of course, this is the alternative history, and it was introduced to us by a number of other books, including the very popular Da Vinci Code. And my book, however, is not at all like the Da Vinci Code, although there are some similarities because <laughs> um, there is, it does revolve around a painting, in this case a Renaissance painting, and in my book it's a stolen painting. And, of course, this is, you know, any writer and I'm sure you've interviewed a number of them, will say that, of course, our life experience is, is the grist, right, for that creative mill. So I, having spent so much time in the art world and knowing it so well, it was the perfect um, perfect foundation and plot line through which to weave these very, um, for me, life-changing metaphysical concepts that um, had been with me, I guess, for many years, but then really exploded, um, just exploded my continued expansion when I went to the south of France and connected with the essence and the energy of the Magdalene. No, that was is that really your favorite? Was that it your was favorite? so powerful. It, it's, of all the places uh, you've been. Of all I've... Um, I would say it, it's hard to choose a favorite. It's one of my favorites and one of my most transformative. And I, I will just share a personal experience with you and how powerful it was because there are a number of places that she went to, including the cave of Le saint Baume. And uh, this is where she supposedly you know, spent uh, her final days. Again, there are a number of alternative histories. We, as you know, we have to discern what's true for ourselves, what resonates with us, and I can tell you that I did feel the power in these sites. Another major site there is the um, Basilica of St. Maximum, where her relics are supposedly uh, lying in the sarcophagus on the lower level, and so... I had no idea what was in store for me when I walked into the that basilica and I went downstairs to to um really offer my respects in front of this sarcophagus. Well, something just completely took me over, some huge circuit of energy and I fell to my knees and began weeping. And I I you know, I was astounded myself because I'm, you know, pretty private person and certainly not given to emotional displays in public. <laughs> and um, so I was quietly weeping, and then one of my fellow travelers, another woman, came and helped me up to my feet. And she said, um, I, and I, I felt my body was trembling. She said, I know how much you loved her. I know how much you miss her. And I thought, wow, that, who knows, who knows, not, <clears throat> you know, whatever um, <clears throat> journeys we had in prior incarnations, <clears throat> past lifetimes, which I believe in, certainly can't be proven, but I do know the undeniable effect um, being in that energy had on me. <clears throat> yeah. You know, this oh. is, um, it, it's amazing. Uh, one time I had an experience with Paramahansa Yogananda in his writings, and mm-hmm. one sentence triggered me to the point where I could feel uh, like an acupuncture pinpoint uh, in the top of my head that went straight to the heavens. And it just oh. kind of completely changed my life. And I and so with you saying this, talking about the initiations, these are, you know, wow, these completely rewrite <laughs> how we feel about life. 
and yeah. and for you to share this kind of initiation, it's very powerful for our listeners, allowing me, you know, allowing them to hear this. And if you have any others that have um, embraced you, um, you know, we'd love to hear about them because it it just brings to life um, and opens the heart in a different way. Oh, it really uh, does. And <clears throat> is that let me Pam? share with you? With, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to share with the audience that your article and Mary Magdalene in your web, on your website. Mm-hmm. I read the article and there were photos in the article. And it was just yes. like I was there. I was, it was just like I was there with you. Oh, well, that is such a beautiful compliment, Paula. Thank you. Uh, yes, and that's what I try to do in my writing is that, you know, I, I simply see myself as a fellow traveler and I, I want to share the the powerful the initiation is a great word and i use that a lot these powerful initiations and expansions and mystical awakenings that i've received so that hopefully people can see themselves in these experiences and some maybe somehow identify and you shared taz your um experience with, with yogananda these are so these are life altering and then you cannot go back through the prior door of perception as you know Aldous Huxley wrote about the doors of perception the man woman who walks through the door is not the same as the one who went out uh initially so it's um these initiations are ongoing and I'm I'm glad you used that word I talk about various initiations that my main character, Lena Leone, has in The Third Muse. And in fact, she undergoes uh, seven metaphysical initiations that lead her not only to solve the mystery of the stolen painting, which is the suspenseful, thrilling um, plot line, but to open to a more expansive love. And so many of my journeys and this is uh, one of my favorite topics in my talks and workshops, it's, it's called Embodying the Wisdom of the Heart. And so many of my journeys I have found, including the one I just shared with you when I was in that basilica in the south of France, communing with the Magdalene's energy, have taken me more and more deeply into my heart center. And for me, this is from my perspective, this is the ultimate journey because this is... Uh, the launching pad to our wholeness, to our self-mastery, to truly embodying the Christ con- Christed consciousness um, that we all have. We all, we simply, you know, sometimes stand in our own way. And so for me, I was uh, very privileged as a journalist to be able to take a lot of these trips around the world and um, some of them, including the trip to the south of France, were more personal, sacred journeys. However, a lot of my growth, my inner growth, happened in the world, on site, you know, among these sacred um, places. So there were other other powerful ones. Go ahead. I was going to say, in the book, um, the main character actually... Uh, speaks to the the painting, the woman in the painting. Yes. Is that true? Okay. So has that, have you had that experience yourself? Uh, You are such excellent interviewers, I have to say. (laughs) You know, 
I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to segue into the mystical experiences surrounding the writing of that novel. I mean, some of them just blew me away to the point where it almost felt like there was an interdimensional bleed-through where I was, yes, feeling like I was moving back and forth in time. And, yes, I did, I myself do very much identify with the character of Giovanna that I created. And, you know, all writing takes us deeper and deeper into ourselves and and these investigations. You know, even Lena's journalistic investigation is a metaphor for um, the most important investigations that always lead us back to ourselves and deeper, deeper into our hearts. And so... Yes, I identify, you know, people would say to me, well, when you, and then they'd say, well, no, I mean uh, Lena and Giovanna. So there are parts of me in each of those characters, and one could say that Lena is a a much younger version of myself as a journalist in Manhattan, Um, parts of her, not not all of it. And then, uh, you know, Giovanna is also part of me. So I'll give you a few examples of some of the, perhaps because your listeners may be interested, some of the seeming miracles, synchronicities, and happenings around the writing of this that led me to believe, um, or just simply to look further into my own past lifetimes. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) So I woke up one morning and smelled uh, roses in my office. And the rose is identified with um, Mary Magdalene and Divine Mother. And then I would start to receive emails, anonymous emails. I didn't know these people or where they were coming from, whose names were the names of characters in my book. I'd get an email from Lorenzo. I got an email from Giovanna Nina. And Lena is my heroine, my young journalist, as is Giovanna, the... um, Renaissance Florentine noblewoman in the painting who does come to life through Renaissance flashbacks, and I recreated her life through memory. And then I remember, and I did not do a lot of research for this book. It it is classified as historical fiction because there are a number of historical facts about the Renaissance and Giovanna's lifetime. However, you know, as a novelist, of course, uh, you take creative liberties. So, uh, when I was writing about her palazzo, the Turnabani Palazzo, which still exists, I mean, a, a lot of these places that I write about, of course, are still in Florence, um, I was imagining what the rooms would look like. And so I thought, well, I know uh, that uh, the pious, the, the virtuous pious people uh, of the Renaissance would have had... Um, probably have had paintings of saints in their home. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to hang. I'm going to assume that her patron saints were St. Francis of Assisi and Mary Magdalene, again, from my writer's imagination. So I wrote that in the scene. And then a few weeks later, I came across something on um, on a website of an exhibition of Renaissance portraits. And there was just a tiny little bit of information about Giovanna, and it said that her patron saints were Mary Magdalene and St. Francis of Assisi. So (laughs) I would have continual experiences like this where I felt that I was 
somehow reaching through time and tapping into her and her lifetime in the Renaissance. Now, was she exactly like the woman I portrayed? I have no idea. But that's how she came to me. And I also felt, let's say, because I don't personify uh, these ascended masters, the energy of Mary Magdalene and what she represented around me and somehow propelling the writing of the book. So those are just a few examples. There's so many more, you know. There are no accidents. That that sounds like you're just as shocked when it happens as anybody. I I was. I was in shock. And, I mean, it was just ongoing. There's so many other ones that I, well, a woman, here's one last one because I could go on and on. I went to a, um, a reading, a book reading at Moby Dickens Bookstore in my hometown of Taos, New Mexico now. I relocated here about four years ago after many years in New York City. And um, this book happened to be about the recreation of the life of Mother Mary, oddly enough, not the Magdalene Mother Mary. And there was one seat left right beside me in the bookstore, and it was fairly crowded. And one woman came in late and sat down beside me. And during the um, intermission, I said, you know, I introduced myself, and I said, what's your name? And she said her name was Giovanna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, and, of course, you know, she was. She happened to be a painter, and on her business card, the name of the painting on her card was Storyteller. So it was just, it just went on and on and on. And all I could do was just completely surrender to that process. Uh, and it was <laughs> totally magical. And it, sometimes I even had to question my sanity, I must admit. <laughs> You know, that's magnificent because this, these are the steps, you know, I was going to ask you when writing your books, what did you glean from them that you didn't expect? And, um, you know, what what is it, accidentals? <laughs> right, accidentals, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you are a prime uh, example of how life can be magical if you allow it. Oh, well, thank you for that. You know, I, I try to open myself to that, and I think, you know, that the word surrender is often overused, and, and yet I still think it's a very powerful word. And I think we're really, um, all of us now are being asked to do that more and more, and that involves trusting, as I'm sure you both know from all the initiations in your own life and your own spiritual journey. It's really trusting that, you know, everything is there for us. We're surrounded by beauty and abundance and magic all the time. The only thing that prevents us, all of us, at times from accessing it is, you know, we get caught up in that that um, monkey mind that the Buddhists call, you know, just our our worries and anxieties and whatever fears come up. And it's just kind of, you know, for me, and I say in, in my workshops a lot, one of my main mantras, just Dana, drop out of your head and into your heart, just keep reminding myself of that. And when we're truly living from our heart centers, as I'm sure you know, we step into that magic zone. We step into that complete and total presence beyond space and time. And that's what allows us to access these higher dimensional frequencies. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but when I travel, Mm -hmm. that comes to me more than if I'm at home. Yes. Yes, 
and you know, and I think I even mentioned in Sojourn that when we are in these uh, different and new places, I think we just, we're naturally vulnerable, right? Because sometimes there's a language barrier and we're trying to make our way and we're new and we don't know the territory. So in a way, it is almost easier to open up to that space when we travel because we have left so much behind and we're really just putting ourselves in that kind of childlike space of anticipation and expectancy. And you live uh, more in the moment then. Yeah. What? <laughs> I said you live more in the moment when you're traveling, I think. Yes, yes, you live more in the moment. And that's what and those uh, seven journeys I documented in Sojourns of the Soul. There were many more, but I chose seven of my most powerful ones. Um, that were so transformative for me personally. I write about that theme over and over again, how I was constantly hit with what I call the cosmic crowbar. You know, Dana, where's your attention? Where is your attention now? Is it here in the present moment? And I was constantly, everything that was happening to me was constantly bringing me back into the present. And then I would be shown, I'd be given all these incredible gifts showing me what was there waiting for me when I was truly present. You know, yeah. with um, you know, our intentions manifesting instantly, for example, or the, everything just falling into place without any plans, and you know, things like lots of synchronicities and overlaps, and the right person showing up at just the time that you needed a particular piece of information. All of those things we've all experienced, and and yet they're accelerated more when we sustain that state of presence, which I believe we reach through our hearts. Yeah, the, the frequencies now that we have on the planet are allowing for more of this. I, you know, I don't even have to travel, and it happens to me. So yeah. I, you know, literally, and you, your, your throat wells up, and your, and your heart, you know, you're right in your heart, and um, and it's just pretty amazing because it, it, it cap, it captivates you right in the moment. You know, it's. And as you stay there, you know, you 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 accumulate wisdom that you're just going, oh, man, I never thought of that. It's just, you know, and the great communications between people right now, the hearts are just opening. It's so beautiful. Oh, that that's so true, Taz. That, that, it, it's so beautiful now. And you're absolutely right, and I say this in Sojourns too, you don't have to travel to far-flung places to access this timeless, magical yeah. zone. You don't. Yeah. It happens, you know, in the grocery store when you have eye contact with a, a stranger. Yeah. You're smiling at the person at Starbucks who made you the greatest chai that you ever taste. You know, it's just those simple daily moments of presence. You're so right, and I, I think I'm very excited. I mean, at the same time, we have a lot of trauma and turbulence and suffering on this planet, and it pains all of us, and yet also we have never had so much light either. Yeah. And so many people awakening to the, that light. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Feel, you feel that we're in a re- uh, renaissance period now. I think I, an astrologer told me that... We were going through a renaissance period now. Yes, exactly. And that is such a perfect word. That is what I realized why I the third muse was not supposed to come out any earlier. And 
and honestly, the fact that I kept going back, I mean, believe me, I lost faith a number of times. Oh, I'm just, <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, forget about it. I didn't want to work on it anymore. It's like, how long is this going to take? And yet something just kept propelling me. No, you have to rewrite it, rewrite it again, keep rewriting. And I real, and it's interesting that my flashbacks to the life of Giovanna take us back to the Renaissance. And I see now why that book came out now precisely because I do believe we are undergoing a new renaissance. And for me, that's the renaissance of the heart, and that's one of Lena's, the, the young New York journalist's great lessons. And we've all called it by many names. You know, but way back when it was the new age. Now it's the new paradigm, the new earth, the new renaissance, the new Camelot, the new Jerusalem. Oh, this is such an exciting time to be alive on this planet through this great shift in consciousness. And it is a rebirth, Paula. It is, I agree. Which is what now, Renaissance you... means in French. So as you traveled throughout all the different countries, do you feel that um, this is happening everywhere you went? Well, um, again, you know, I... Started, let's see, that was 14 years of my life beginning at the age of 34. So I'm now 54, so that's like going back 20 years ago. And I would say um, the, in terms of the first journey I chronicled in that book, but I really began traveling throughout the world in my early 30s and um, continued to do that. Um, I, You know, it's an ongoing, gradual process. And I will say that I have felt this more in recent years. Yes, in my travels in recent years, let's say the past five years, this incredible acceleration of awakening and people yearning for that state of wholeness, for something bigger than themselves, for that ongoing connection with spirit, with source. And, you know, it's uh, we're all on this journey, which is the journey, towards wholeness, which takes us beyond um, the duality paradigm, which is all about separation. And and I really, I have seen, it's been so heartwarming in, in so many of my recent events. I think it was you, Taz, who said people just, you know, feeling more joy or you alluded to that. And I see it in their eyes. You know, people are allowing themselves to experience more joy. And this is really important, I think. It's the highest vibration we can hold is joy. Yeah. You know, the, recently over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, I've seen these new babies <laughs> have come in, and they're they're really young. They're like maybe three or four months, and the mom's holding them and the whole thing. But you look at them, and they look, they stare at you, and then they laugh. It's just, you know, it is so priceless. And right. I mean, it's like they're staring right through you. It's pretty amazing. That, I know, that is. It's, it's almost like they have come in at a much higher frequency, these <laughs> these youngsters. And, and even young people in their 20s, I'm just so amazed at how advanced they yeah. seem to be in their wisdom. You know, yeah. the, the old soul syndrome. I mean, they're really so many of them that I've met, including my nieces and nephews in their 20s and younger. Yeah, yeah, a great hope for humanity. It's just really great. Um, So when you're, you know, 
when people take the time to re-examine their thoughts or their consciousness mm-hmm. and their journey and where they're going, mm-hmm. it's it's. Um, I, I think basically it's just taking the moment into context and and living in the moment that's the most important. What do you think about that? Oh, I so agree. And I, I think as and that's part of that that whole um lesson of presence that I received um so many times throughout my life, not just when I was traveling. And that is, yes, that moment by moment, where is your attention? And I'll tell you a little story. When I, one of the chapters in my uh, last book, Sojourns of the Soul, One Woman's Journey Around the World and Into Her Truth, one of the seven chapters is about my stay at Christ in the Desert Monastery here in New Mexico. Um, in, right outside of Abiquiu, oh, it's just one of the most gorgeous places I've ever seen in the Chama River Canyon. I don't even know how they could have lugged all those building materials so far back into that canyon, the most pristine site where these Benedictine monks live and work and pray. And, you know, I um, I mean, my path was, has always been an alternative spirituality, uh, even though as uh, a youngster I was raised as a Catholic, but I just kind of really left that at an early age. It didn't make sense to me personally. And then I had to ask myself later in life, my goodness, what am I doing here at this Benedictine monastery? <laughs> and I, I had such an incredible experience there because I saw that, you know, no matter what path we choose, we don't need to negate another. Um, And so going back to your question moment by moment, uh, I I noticed that as I spent, and I was there by myself, I guess for about a week or so, and, you know, the monks, and and I guess in any type of... um, monastery or temple setting around the world, no matter what culture, this one I I happen to experience directly, they live in silence. And I called it, at least for myself, an extreme experiment in silence and slowness, because for a New Yorker, (laughs) like I was at that time, that was not easy (laughs) to be both, to live very slowly and silently. And as I synchronized with Really, the timelessness of that sacred land, which was also sacred land to the Native Americans, and the um, timelessness with which the monks appeared to be um, living their daily life moment by moment in this constant dialogue with Source, or God, or the Creative, whatever your word is for it, I was extremely intrigued and I said to myself I want to have a conversation with one of the monks and that was not always easy because they don't show themselves in public much you know they're there for the prayer services and then they go behind closed doors and do their other chores and their their own private um, studies and prayers and whatever so sure enough the next day um, there is Brother Ernesto leaning leaning against the bookshelf in the tiny little gift shop there and I went up to him, and I said, Brother Ernesto, I um, really admire the fact that you have come to live in this monastery, to live your life devoted to God. How could you have left the whole world behind? And he said, Dana, don't admire me. 
He said, you know, living a spiritual life is not having to go to a monastery, you know, that was my choice, or living in, obviously, a spiritual community. It's not even about, um, you know, doing your meditations or your prayers or, or whatever practice you have every day. It's not even about being of service to others, which really blew me away because, you know, that's part of my definition. She said, it's all part of it, but that's not the main thing. I said, well, what's the main thing? And he said... Living a spiritual life is about where is your attention every moment. Yay. <laughs> and yeah. so coming back to your question, the yes, and that that has stayed with me. And that is one of my main practices is simply, it's constantly, it's a constant vigilance. It's a lot of work, as you know, to observe oneself and one's inner state of emotion and thought and, you know, distraction, whatever. Yeah. And is our attention moment by moment centered in our hearts in direct alignment with the creative source, God, spirit, whatever your name is for it, or are we not present? Are we caught up in our minds and in our fears and worries and anxieties, which we all fall prey to? So... I, that, to, yes, the moment by moment, it, I think, is one of the most important things we can do. Yeah, yeah we're, we're practicing life. <laughs> practicing life. And this is right. And for those of us who aren't living um, in a monastery, whether it's in Tibet, now they have a sister um, monastery in Tibet, which I was really Ooh. interested to learn about. So there, there's so many similarities with the many wisdom traditions. And so, thank goodness. You know, we have the monks there kind of holding space <laughs> for the planet. Okay. And the rest of us, the rest of us get to live in the mystery school of the world, of the day-to-day -day world, which is, which is a huge to challenge. Me is harder. It's That's harder, yes. I think so. <laughs> because we're inundated by all this noise and computers and telephones, and it's just, it's really a challenging to stay in the moment and observe yourself. Yes, yes, it is, especially now, right, with the information overload and all the different oh. channels and ways we can communicate. And I, I really, part of the reason I came out here to New Mexico, I had been traveling here for many years from New York City because it was my sanctuary. It was a like a respite for my soul, and I felt such huge, powerful energetic connection to the land and the Native American presence here and just the beauty of Mother Earth. And so it was rejuvenating for me. And then when I finally took the leap and said, okay, now I had been in New York City for 22 years and I loved it and, you know, it's time for a change. When I turned 50, came out here, and one of the things I appreciate so much is silence. That's yeah. another way that we can – we have to create that silence, you know, I mean – and. I mean, we're all busy, right, no matter where we live. But if we can carve out those, those moments of silence. Yeah. Now, you do work You do work with other people. I mean, you um, mm -hmm. can you explain that a little bit, like connecting somebody yes. with their own their yes. soul? Thank you for asking that, yes. I have a private healing, a couple of things. I have a private healing practice. I've been trained in... Um, a number of healing modalities, and uh, one of which is shamanic healing. I trained with an, a number of well-known teachers, including um, Hank Wesselman, Sandra Ingerman, John Perkins, and I've been doing this work for 
many years, and I do shamanic soul retrievals as well as extractions, and I can do this work at a distance as well as at my own sanctuary here in New Mexico. So no matter where people are, this work goes beyond space and time, happens in the quantum field. And uh, I also do uh, reconnective healing and the reconnection. So uh, those are the ones on my website. I also do um, spiritual counseling sessions and these can be found, all my services can be found on my website, www.danamicucci.com, danamicucci.com. And I'm really excited about a new course I've designed. It's um, an audio course that is delivered in um, MP3 format, downloads, and it's called Awakening the Mystic Within, A Course in Self-Mastery for Higher Living, And I call this an initiation into the secret teachings of the ages. That really, it's not just me delivering information. This course is designed to provide a very deep and lasting inner transformation. And it's really based on my, I'm sure, many lifetimes of of spiritual um, inquiry and seeking and practice including this lifetime and my travels to many sacred sites around the world. And the reason I even designed this course is because one of my healing clients on her way out of a session a few years ago said, oh, by the way, I want you to design a, create a course for me. And so that's how it was birthed. And um, I, really what I want people to get out of it is to learn how to more fully embody their truth and highest calling and inspire others to do the same, and to operate more consistently, like what we were talking about, from that place of deep trust and joy and gratitude, which involves living from that place of heart-centered detachment and aligned flow, as I call it. And then to, in addition, to be able to dissolve any obstacles that you feel may be standing in your way to receiving the gifts that you deserve, and to unlocking your own hidden gifts and powers and talents. And, you know, really, ultimately, I feel, at least for me, I feel that we're all here to be of service in some way and to allow ourselves to become an instrument of sacred service using our our gifts, whatever they are, to the fullest. So I designed that course with those outcomes in mind, and I take people all the way from like heart lessons from ancient Atlantis and Lemuria to uh, embodying the divine feminine and goddess archetypes to the Egyptian mysteries based on my own travels to the temples of light in Egypt, alchemy, the Essene way of life, and there are other, the Holy Grail, indigenous wisdom. So there are 12 modules altogether. And people can learn more about it on my website. Um, there's a, a on the products uh, tab. So that's... Um, another thing that's available to assist people on their own inner journey and ongoing spiritual expansion based on my own experience. That is so now, powerful. If somebody, if somebody called you and they they only could take one great trip in their life, can mm-hmm. you help them find the place that would um, resonate with their soul Oh, yes, I can do that. Yes, I have. 
Jesus is the thing. I, I get so excited and passionate about <laughs> about my work. Yes, I offer also what I call sacred journey consultations. And one of my special gifts, um, I uh, have a very heightened intuition and some psychic gifts. I certainly don't do psychic readings or anything like that. But I use my psychic gifts in my soul retrieval work and sacred journey consultations so I can literally travel um, back into, I can feel a person's energy field and travel back in to various timelines and incarnations and help them to determine. Um, and these sacred site consultations are actually an outgrowth of my soul retrieval work because I thought, wow, well, I'm bringing back all this information that will assist them in the soul retrieval. Well, then why not also offer this as perhaps places they could go around the planet to reconnect to that would really assist them personally in perhaps healing uh, old patterns and wounds and traumas, as well as receiving um, whatever it is, whatever gifts lie there, particularly for them to receive. So, yes, wow. I, I do that work as well. Mm-hmm. And is, were you were you referring to for someone else, Paula or Taz, or did you mean if I could recommend one? Is that was that your question? Well, it, you know, either way, yeah, either uh, way, because I've, I've yeah I've traveled uh-huh. um, several places, and I'm surprised because a place that I thought would be really opening for me, it was nice, but it was, really wasn't. And another place I went to just for a vacation, not to to have it be sacred became sacred. Mm. Ah, interesting. Right. Unexpected. And yes. so, right, often, yes, and so it's really not our minds, ultimately, as we've all know, know and have learned through many trials <laughs> and tribulations. <laughs> it's not our minds that are in the driver's seat. So it's all, really we're being led by our souls, right? Yep. And, yes. Um, and our hearts really both so yeah that's a real good question right now because people are really at crossroads in their life yes the energies are vibrating and just kind of pushing everything out and it's opening people and they're going no not this yes that no not this (laughs) and so they're you know what do you suggest for people to be able to find that is it just living in the moment dana or um or is it just mm-hmm. um, getting connected with your heart? What do you suggest for those crossroads? Yes, the crossroads so many of us are at crossroads, so almost I can't even tell you how many people I talk to at my events who will say they're in transition, they're reinventing themselves. A lot of women in particular in midlife and older wanting to reinvent themselves. And it's true. Right now I feel like there, so many of us are feeling a sense of urgency to really to tap in to our true divine essence and power, to to heal whatever it is left that needs to be healed, to clear out, release, purge any remaining, uh, what I call um, 
dense, heavy energy. I don't want to say positive or negative. Dense, heavy energy that is no longer serving us, that we have carried in our cells as cellular memories for many lifetimes. We have, as you have said, with the powerful energies available to us now, coming in from the cosmos, from the galactic center, the great central sun, our own sun playing a huge role in the evolution of consciousness, which um, in uh, a lot of spiritual circles is called the ascension process. It's uh, meaning an ascension to higher dimensions of consciousness. These And also very powerful energies coming up from the crystalline core of Mother Earth, up through our feet. So down from the cosmos through our crown and centers and then up through our feet. So we are just being rearranged on all levels. You know, uh, our brains are literally being recircuited. Sometimes people are, you know, waking up and saying, wow, I slept for 12 hours and I feel like I could still sleep for another 12. It's like our bodies are undergoing such an immense change in order to hold and anchor more light. Um, And in order to do that, as as we as and, and actually the, there have been studies that the actual physical structure of our cells and molecules are changing to allow for this. So we're being greatly assisted by the cosmic and earthly energies, and also by our own choice to move forward. We can choose to accelerate this journey now because of the divine dispensation. Of, what I call these times that we're living in, and to clear out once and for all anything that is holding us back. And how do we do that, you asked? You know, it is really for me about continuing to sustain a state of being, it's not an emotion, of joy and gratitude, the lightness of heart, and to be living this as much as possible, allowing our heart to guide us, you know, to be able to think with our hearts, to see with our hearts, to feel and lead with our hearts as opposed to our heads. I think that, and we have so many spiritual tools now, especially access to them, um, to help us to do this. Whether it's heart-centering prayer from the mystical Christian tradition, which I like to use, or many of our wonderful meditations from the Buddhist tradition and the other Eastern wisdom traditions, they're all leading us back to that place of the high heart now, the high heart, which is another energetic center right above the heart, from where we access unity consciousness. And it takes us in that moment, yes, takes us into that state of wholeness and completion and unity consciousness. And this is what all the great mystics demonstrated to us, saying that we could, we have the power to do this also. You know, when I was writing, we're bringing in the divine feminine at this point too. Yes, yes, thank you, my goodness, that is huge. Yes, and that's what really is one of the major underlying themes of the third muse. Um, is this rebalancing of the divine, feminine, and masculine. Because as we know, as a collective, uh, women have been traumatized throughout many millennia uh, because of the suppression of the divine feminine. And we're all healing that individually as women and as a collective. 
And um, so this whole, you know, the popularity of, of the Magdalene again. She represent as I believe someone who did walk the earth as a completely self-actualized being as the mystical equal and divine feminine counterpart of the mystical Jesus and so she is a model for our time for the women of our time no wonder she's so popular now <laughs> and yes and so Giovanna is a uh, an extension of the Magdalene energy in my novel, and she reaches out to Lena through time and instructs her in these metaphysical teachings about embodying the divine feminine. Well, right now I think that I see men having a huge heart, and it's changing with them as well. And um, it, it's very lovely to see and feel. Um, oh, yeah. This, this morning I, w- I was writing the word heart, and I thought, hmm, the word here is in heart. And I thought, oh, you hear with your heart. Oh, that's <laughs> beautiful. That uh, is, I love that. I was yes. Just, um, and by the way, your last name, Makuchi, I was mm-hmm. thinking, oh, it's me, like my <clears throat> and the word use in there, and then uh, you pronounce your last name, Chi, C-H-I, and that's, you know, the Chi that brings oh. life to the life to everyone. So oh, you, wow. I think your last name is really magical. Oh, my goodness. I've never, that's beautiful. Thank you for giving me that insight. I never thought about that. That's really, <laughs> wow, I'm very humbled by that. Yes, thank you. And I also realized, um, maybe you have too, and it's in my novel, The Third Muse, the word in, within the word evolve is embedded the word love. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Marvelous. Right. And I, I love that, that play on words. There's so, so much, so many layers, really, a sacred layers to words. And I also talk about when we're, you know, being present in the moment, what we're doing is bringing that pendulum swing of our emotions to the still point so that we're no longer held hostage by emotional um, reaction, you know, or whatever, wounds or past traumas, and we just, we're slowing down the pendulum swing until we completely transcend those emotions, not not our states of being like love and joy, but completely transcend emotions that distract us from our center. And I thought about the word transcend. Within that is end the trance. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. You know, yeah. I do a lot of dream work, and mm-hmm. our dream makers do a lot of plays, play on words. Mm. So you really yeah. have to pay attention to them. Yes, and the Maya words in the Mayan language, too, so many of their words can be read and spoken in reverse. I learned when I was in the um, sacred Maya lands, and they have different meanings uh, oh. when they're reversed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we are coming close to the end. Um, that's sad because... We can go on. Great I want yeah, to uh, let, let people know that um, Dana Makuchi's website is her name, and it's D-A-N-A. Makuchi is M-I-C-U-C. 
www.ccci.com. It's a wealth of information on there and um, a glorious way to get connected with her her books, um, The Third Muse, and her the memoir, Sojourns of the Soul, um, One Woman's Journey Around the World and Into Her Truth. Uh, and and on, our website, there's, on our website, there's some magical articles. So be sure to go to her website because there's a lot that she shares with you. Yeah. Oh. Is there a last Is, um, message you want to give our listeners, Dana? Oh, well... You know, I I would just say to, you know, no matter how things look externally, just just keep going, keep trusting, and keep dropping out of your head and into your heart, and you will find, you will find there that peaceful presence, um, that no matter what is happening in your lives, you will find sustenance connecting to your own hearts and as a result uh, connecting more and more uh, with Godhead, with Source and Spirit. And you will develop this deep inner trust and always know that a higher guiding force is always conspiring on your behalf. Beautiful. Perfect. Thank you, Dana, for your oh. gifts. That allows us to touch the wisdom of our hearts. It's so important, and you certainly do do that. Uh, well, and thank for you everyone so out much. there, be sure to uh, look at her latest book because it's a page turner. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and people can, you know, there's a link to Amazon for the Third Muse on my website, or they could go directly to Amazon and get it there as well. Well, thank you for um, giving so much, and we hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Oh, I do too. I really, really loved being with both of you, and, and just thank you for your own heartfelt presence and wonderful insights, and I'm honored to have been on your show. Thank you. We're thank you. Great to have you with us. <laughs> Take care thank now. You. Take care. Yeah, have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye.